0: It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the Apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians six nineteen, Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. Father, we thank you today for who you are. You are a holy God, a righteous God. There is none like you. Lord, we stand in your presence this morning. We sit in the very presence of God, knowing that you are the Alpha and the Omega. You're the beginning and the end of all that there is. You are the first and the last. Jesus, you are the Lion of Judah. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords this morning, we sense your presence and your power. We give you thanks for who you are. Thank you, God, that you love us as a father. You love us as your children. Thank you that you loved us so much, you gave us Jesus, your one and only son. And you not only gave him, but you you gave him to die on a cross for our sin. As the perfect sacrifice for the gone wrongness of all humanity. Thank you, Jesus, you are our Savior and our Lord that you gave your life for us. We bow before you today in humility and thanksgiving and we give you praise. You are a holy God, a righteous God. And we are so grateful today that you have set us apart and you have made us the holy ones. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are. May we live up to everything you've called us to be, men and women of righteousness. In a day and an age which people need to see, godly Christians. We need you, Lord. We cannot live this life without you. It is you in us that makes us righteous. And we give you all praise and glory this morning. In Jesus' name, Father. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you, guys, for that, great, uh, for that great song. Just want to chat with you a second before I uh, get up on the platform there. Where's, uh, where's Bob Donahue, our missionary president? Bob, where is you? Oh, there you go! Come on up here, buddy, would you? Come on. He's got his tie on. He's all ready to go. Get up here a little quicker, man. You're moving too slow. This is, you, this is my time. I love you, man. All right. You're the man. Yeah. Right. You are. <laughs> hey, so uh, I, wanna, I just want to kind of tell the people a couple things that's going on. But you're the leader in our missions department. What are you giving that to me? I got one of these on. There you go. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm the one yeah.
1: who needs it, right?
0: Yeah. So uh, here's what I'm thinking. Aren't you a member of the church board? Yes. yes. So you might know what's going on on the board level. It seems to me like you guys met this last week, uh, maybe interviewing a pastor?
1: He didn't know it, but we were, yeah. Oh, you were. Okay. All yeah. right.
0: <laughs> now, uh, how? what night was that?
1: Friday night. Friday, Friday night. night. On oh, yeah. Friday night. Friday.
0: How, how long did that take?
1: Uh, we thought it was going to be an hour or so. About three hours.
0: Three hours. Three hours. You guys are doing your job.
1: We had a lot to talk about.
0: Yeah. Had a lot to talk about. <laughs> so you guys are at work. That's that's good news, isn't it? Yeah. So we're praying for you. We want you to know the church is praying for you. And then, and uh, I talked to Eldon Sheets this morning, our our church secretary. He's not the guy that takes the notes. He said. He's the guy that oversees this process for us with our district office. And uh, so that's good news. So we're, we're moving forward. And we're going to be praying together about that. We continue to pray. We need the that, prayer. Yeah. That God, three, how many gave three hours for the church on Friday night besides the church board? Huh? Anybody like that? Not me. I was watching a game or something. I don't know if there's anything. Yeah. And then uh, this is a unique week. Well, in two weeks... We have a special missionary speaker all the way from Myanmar. Myanmar. I used to say Myanmar, so it's Myanmar.
1: We'll forgive you.
0: (laughs) Myanmar. Okay. I'm forgiven. So, and who's coming? Jubilee. Jubilee. Is that his, is he a part of a group named Jubilee, or is that his first name?
1: That's his first name. First name. Yeah.
0: And he's been here before, hasn't he? He has. All right. He's been here before. And he's going to be here because he's coming to the United States because of General Assembly.
1: Yes, he's a delegate.
0: All right, so this June is what we call General Assembly. It's happening in Indianapolis, I believe, right? right. And there will be thousands and thousands of Nazarenes from all around the world, 164 world areas. I'm over 30,000 churches. We'll send representatives to meet together for a couple of weeks to do the work of the church because we're about 3 million people now all around the world. And it takes quite a bit to keep us marching in order. We'll talk about a lot of different things that are important to the church. I'll guarantee you they will discuss what's going on in our world today with the LGBTQ plus stuff. They'll be talking about that. Um, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be trying to formulate some theological stands of the church. What does the church believe in a world that's gone awry? So we need to pray. Amen. But this this coming week, we're all broke up into these little districts, and we're a part of an inner mountain District in Idaho. And so we have hundreds of, of people coming this week in Nampa. What Where are we meeting? College Church. In a church called College Church. Just go to NNU and the church there on campus. And we'll be doing the work of the church there. And they will be sending representatives from there all the way to General Assembly in June. Now, we said all that to say Jubilee coming from Myanmar, he's going to be one of our speakers. So we kind, of, we, we kind of reeled him in since he's going to be here to speak with us on the 21st of May. That's in a couple Sundays. 21st, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that.
1: Can I say something about that? Yeah, we yeah absolutely. We need your help. Can you help us? Two things. One, we need you to bring some food. We're going to have a big dinner afterwards, but it's going to be hot luck. Potluck, yeah, okay. Bring a main dish, bring a salad or dessert kind of thing, and we'll provide the drinks. Okay. Yeah, you know, right so, after service. And that'll be a great time to fellowship and get to know Jugo So that's in donut, two weeks. Two weeks. All right.
0: Now. I'm looking forward to some uh, baked beans, some coleslaw, potato salad, fried chicken.
1: Fried chicken, That's. sounds You bring big. some fried chicken? Uh, maybe, yeah. Honey, can
0: we bring some Kentucky fried chicken? No, fried chicken. Okay. <laughs> She's looking at me like, woohoo. hoo um,
1: I think we're going to have tacos, too. Tacos.
0: Oh, yeah. Ooh, nothing like chicken tacos. That's right. All right. Just make <laughs> sure it's chicken. All right? So this is awesome. Now, now, this Wednesday night, this is when we kick off our Wednesday night services at the District Assembly, right. but it's going to be a yeah. mission service. It is. And I love that. And, and we're going to be talking about the call of God on people's lives. Now think of this for a moment, Wednesday night, and we're all invited. You don't have to be a delegate to go to this. We're all invited. So Wednesday night at 7 o'clock at, at College Church in Nampa, and, and we're going to talk about the call of God, which is pretty cool. Um, tell me about the call of God. What's that
1: like? Yeah. Well, God calls in all kinds of ways. He does. And... and uh... Sometimes more than one call. Uh, Does he call children? Yeah. In fact, most of our missionaries, this is true, that are serving today. We've got hundreds of them out across the world. Most of them were called when they were children or young teens.
0: You're right. We call that the 4-14 window.
1: Yep. That's real.
0: Absolutely. So when we have missionaries, sir, we want want them to be around our kids. Right. Absolutely. And we have a number of children in this church who feel they have a call to ministry. Now, I'd have them stand right now, but most of them are in junior church. Hey, we have any we have any young people right here that are called you yeah, have feel a call to ministry? Put your hand up if you do. Call to ministry? Anybody? Okay. You know, I know some, we got a bunch.
1: Sometimes God calls just for a short term for sure. something. Sometimes it's in between, sometimes mm-hmm. it's a lifetime. So you can be open to whatever God wants to call you to.
0: And Eugene. A guy started attending the church was a tire flipper for Les Schwab. His goal was to own his own Les Schwab franchise. When God called him to go with me to Africa, he and his wife, within a few years, felt the call to go there. They sold the house. They sold everything they owned. They moved to Africa, and he was my point man for about 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And guess how old he was? He was in his 50s.
1: Okay. That's okay. So when you
0: mess with the call of God...
1: Anybody 50 and older here today? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah,
0: God didn't call you.
1: Yes, and and this, is,
0: this is awesome. So Wednesday night, in fact, now that I think of it, Pastor Quincy, who's our children's pastor, she's in the midst of answering her call with her education. Right. Right. So we see this happening all over this church. And part of it's because of the way you use children. You use them to take the offering, you use them to pray. I love the way you use the kids here in this church. So this week is a special week, Wednesday night. In two weeks, we have a potluck. Don't forget we're having fried chicken. Mm. All right. <laughs> and, and it's a great season. It's a great it season. There's no time to go to sleep now yep. in the church. So, Bob, thanks for all you do. I want to take a minute, and I want to pray over uh, everything we've just talked about. Our pastoral transition, I want to pray about this week with... Um, our missionary services, and our district assembly, that God will bless it in a mighty way. Okay? So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you today. Uh, Lord, we, we come to you and we do not ask amiss. We ask knowing that you are a God who answers our prayer. And Lord, we're a part of the, the Church of Jesus Christ that extends not only on this district, but literally around the world. And we join hands today today with men and women, many who, sac- who, who serve you under threat of life. And we rejoice that we're part of the kingdom of God. We're a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. So thank you, Jesus, for the church and what it means to us. And we thank, Lord God, of the opportunities we have this week and just in a couple of weeks of, of hearings from Jubilee, our missionary from Myanmar. And, Lord God, we pray that you would prepare our hearts for his message. And as we share in the potluck, Lord, it'll be a wonderful time of fellowship, of laughter, of connecting, getting to know each other. And Lord, we pray upon that day that it'll be a wonderful day of celebration. And this week, Lord, as we gather together for district assembly, we pray your blessing upon our district superintendent, upon all of our delegates, upon all of our missionaries and those who are going to be there. And Wednesday night, Lord, specifically, as we celebrate the call of God upon men and women into full-time ministry, part-time ministry, short-term ministry. God, you've got it all covered. We lay that before you in Jesus' name. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that there be a breakthrough in the church, in the Intermountain District, when since your presence and your power, may it not just be a time for meetings, but may it be a time to experience the presence of God in a brand new, fresh way. Lord, encourage our people. Encourage our leaders. Bless them as they lead us. And Lord, we give you praise. Now, Father, for our pastoral transition, I thank you again for our church board leaders, their diligence, their tenacity, um, their sacrifice, their commitment. Lord, we continue to pray. I pray, first of all, especially continually for a spirit anointed unity among them. May they be of one heart, of one mind, of one thought. And Lord, sooner or later, they're going to bring us a name of a man and a woman who will be our new pastors. I ask that you would be with us as we walk through every step of this process. That we might sense, Lord, your divine leadership, your providence upon our fellowship here at Mountain View. And Lord, we will give you all praise and glory as they continue um, to interview, to pray, to seek your face and your will. Because, Lord, we know this is eternal business. Now we give you, oh Jesus, all praise and all glory. In your precious and holy name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, Amen. Amen. church. I'm getting excited. Are you getting excited? Sure. I am. I better preach now. Okay. Hey, would you say thank you to Bob? Give him a, a round of applause. In case you don't know, Bob served many, many years in the Philippines as a professor at one of our schools, and he has a passion for students and for ministry. And, I, and I've learned to love this guy. Well, hey, take your Bibles and open them up to an Old Testament passage. We're going to go to um, to Psalm 139 this morning, and I'm going to ask you a question. Do you realize? Um, now, you're going to say, do you will realize what? Well, you're going to figure it out in a minute or so, but uh, do you realize? Um, this morning, I, I feel led to pick up kind of where we were last week. Now, I'll try not to be as hard on you as I was last week, but um, I've had complaints all week long that uh, this attitude thing, that, uh, well, wives have been on to husbands, and husbands on wives, and it's not my fault, okay? Don't shoot the messenger. But we talked about attitude, and we looked at that little phrase in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, that says you and I should have a certain kind of an attitude. We should have the Jesus attitude, Amen. And the, the scripture describes the Jesus attitude. My translation says something like this. Have this attitude in you, which was also in Jesus Christ. So we we, uh, we need to have this attitude. And, and the scripture kind of delineates what this attitude looks like. What you and I should be. We should be people of encouragement. Amen? Amen. We should encourage each other. Spur one another on, is what it says. We should be people of tenderness. Can I get an amen for tenderness? Boy, I need that. I need to be reminded to be a man of tenderness. Because sometimes I don't want to be. I want to share my opinion. That's pretty important. You're entitled to your opinion even though you are wrong. And I'm right. How do I have as a a man a a spirit of tenderness like Jesus did? Compassion is another element. Am I a man who compassionately cares about the concerns of our world and of people? This morning I've heard a myriad of prayer requests. And, and, And as I've heard these requests, the Lord has reminded me, Pastor, care about these requests. One of our men who um, has been in my, my, my welcome class every Sunday morning. He missed this morning because he had to go to work. He's at work today, and he's ministering to men and women in his job arena in the midst of one of their, their co-workers who took his own life this last week. Do I care about that? Am I a man of compassion? And I want to tell you I do. And I care about that. So I'm praying for Marco. God, give him strength. And do I have the attitude of Jesus? How about humility? Now there's, there's one. Can I get an amen for humility? There's one for some of us, including myself. Yes. Sometimes I think I'm so humble it's hard not to be proud. Wait a minute. That didn't quite sound right. Lord, give me a spirit of humility. So this morning, if you'll let me, I want to probe a little deeper into this, because here's what I'm thinking. What I'm thinking is, well, do you realize how God made you? Because you see, when God made you, he threw away the mole. You know that, right? He threw it, There's nobody like you. Do you realize how God made you? I want to probe into a little bit of this, because it seems to me, um, uh, The way God has made me individually somehow plays out in my, my attitude. My attitude has something to do with my personality, the way God's made me. I mean, I even confessed last week that it, some of you have a little easier time with attitude than I do. Seems like i got to deal with it every day. It's God's curse in my life. I've got I to figure out my attitude. What's it going to be today? And sometimes it's three or four times a day. And and I've had to stop and think. Is there anybody else out there like me that has to work on their attitude more than once a day, once a week? And God says, "Wait, wait, 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 slow down, boy. Check your attitude." Um, so I'm thinking the two scriptures. The one is we already we already mentioned and just just the one we did last week. It's just a thought. Have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. But, but then. I want to read from Psalm 139, because this psalm, written hundreds and thousands of years ago, the psalmist was in tune to how differently and uniquely God has made us. So, as usual, I want us to stand as we read the Word of God. We're going to start on verse 13. It'll be on your screen, or turn in your Bible there. We're going to start to verse uh, verse 13 of, of Psalm 139. And um, in my Bible, I've, I've written the three O's in this chapter, omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence. And, and this passage shows the omnipotence of God, his omnipresence, his power. So, so here we go. This is the psalmist praying out to God. For God, you, you created my inmost being. I love the way he puts this, "You knit me together in my mother's womb." I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works, oh God, are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame it was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes. You saw my unformed body. And all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Wow, that's a powerful thought, isn't it? How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake... I am still with you. Don't you just love that? Don't you just feel the personal passion of an individual crying out to God, God, I sent your hand on my life from the very beginning. And that's us. Well, Lord, uh, thank you for your word. This is an awesome word, God. So hide, hide me behind the cross. Lord, we want to see you today protect me from saying anything I shouldn't say. May I speak only the words of truth of the gospel that you planted in my heart and mind this morning for the people. May I feed them and feed them well so when we go from this place, we'll be full of the knowledge and the spirit and the love of God. Lord, I need your help. I can't do this without you. So anoint my lips and my heart and my attitude, Jesus, that we would see you today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, church. I love you, to church. Did I tell you I love you today? I love you, church. So good to be with you. Now, this, this Old Testament scripture, it's a powerful reminder. If you've forgotten that God's DNA is all over you, his DNA is all over us. We're a chip off the old block. The apple does not fall far from the tree. What other analogy do I need to come up with? And, and, and this, this guy who wrote this, even though these ancient people, they didn't have all the advantages we do of science and knowledge and technique, They knew enough to know that the creator of the ends of the earth, of the universe, when it came to mankind, he designed something unique. He made it all. But when it came to mankind, something miraculous happened. Beyond nature. Beyond the animal world or kingdom. He made man in his own image. He made them, male, female, made he them. We call that the imago Dei, the image of God. God made you. His DNA is all over you. Now, When I read the scripture, I realize there's a lot of different translations. My wife, she loves the message. And she often says to me, honey, um, you want to read my Bible this morning? The message is really good, honey. So, So here's what the message says in verse 13. It's a great translation. You ought to try it. Oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. And I thank you, high God. You are breathtaking. Explanation point. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. So I worship in adoration. What a creation. Explanation point. Wow. Well, what does that mean? I mean, in relation to how God made Me. You are fearfully and and wonderfully made. What conjures up in your mind, um, at least we can say, we know this just by experience. Every single one of us, out of billions and billions of people, you are unique. You stand alone. There's... No one like you. Um, So I've had to ask myself again, um, am am I the only one who has to constantly work on my attitude about these things, or is it just the way God made me? And he wanted to keep me humble by realizing I'm not perfect. Anybody identify with what I'm saying at all? Okay, I see some heads going yes and some hands up Um. I have to ask God constantly for forgiveness, for help, um, to tweak my thinking so it doesn't n- n- nosedive. woo Remember last week? Okay. Uh, Joe Howe, by the way, when she came into staff this last week, I haven't even set out. She started yelling at me. And I'm going to give you almost... Pastor Jason, you tell me, oh, he's still, okay. Pastor Ryan, you tell me if I'm lying, okay? You be my witness. She walked in and this is what she said as Pastor Ryan's my witness. Don't you ever, ever, ever preach a message like that again. (laughs) My husband has let me not sleep one minute about my attitude this week. So I don't know, maybe Joe Howell or I have a little bit more in common than my thought. <laughs> now remember, we define this attitude as an inward feeling with an outward expression or behavior. That's my attitude. I feel something inside, and it comes out. You know, I, I specifically remember as a pastor, a young pastor in my first church, remembering that if I had a problem with with someone or an attitude or something in my heart, in my mind, that I did not address before I got in the pulpit, it came out. Come on now, come on, I'm talking about me. And I, 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 even though it was many, many, many years ago, decades ago, I remember God dealing with me on that issue. You cannot take unresolved issues into the pulpit. The pulpit is no place for negative speak. You need to deal with that biblically outside of this, right? Boy, I gave you all another good place for an amen there, and you missed it. (laughs) Could have chewed me up on that one. So as I've been putting this together, I'm wondering, the way God made us, the way God made me, does it have any bearing on my personal attitudes? And I think I've come to the conclusion that it does. Uh, You know, in just a few weeks... uh, my my seven brothers and sisters, well, now there's six. One of us passed last, last year. My, my seven brother, six brothers and sisters, we're going to get together with our family. We do this family reunion. We get together as often as we can. We're going to be up in Cascade. There'll be about 40 of us. And we come all the way from Missouri. And we used to come from Australia and California and the different places, uh, Arizona. And we just, we, we get together and we have a great time. We laugh, we reminisce. Last Last time we had we had memorial services for two of our, our, our siblings' children. Uh, this year, we'll have a memorial sis- service for my sister. So we cry together. We laugh together. We, reminis- we reminisce. And I look at my siblings, and I, and, I, and I think this often. I think, how did we wind up so differently? I mean, I have a twin brother. And, and we look a lot alike. Uh, some people confuse us, but still, we're, we're totally different. We have several sets of twins in my family, uh, cousins and aunts and uncles. But we, also just, we were raised in the same home, had the same parents, raised in the same church. Look how different. And, and, and you've got to say, well, what's that about? Well, the psalmist just kind of boils it down and he says, I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. There's a simple way of saying I'm unique. When God made me, it was a very personal thing. It's a very individual thing, which, which if I wanted to take time, I could go all the way into children, the unborn child, and we could talk about the importance and, and the way that, th- that this psalmist realizes God knew him before he was even born. It was the hand of God that knitted that child together in the womb. Boy, if that's not an issue for today. So we're unique. Um. You know, the Bible describes us um, kind of this way. Uh, as being body, soul, and spirit, right? So say that with me. Body, soul, and spirit. It's what theologians call a trichotomy. Tri is three, so it's a trichotomy. Some say there's a dichotomy, just body and soul. But tri- Paul talked about it, Bodies, for instance, in, in Thessalonians, um, he says in, in, in uh, let's see, this is 1 Thessalonians five twenty three. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now the body, this, this thing here, the body is, is temporal. It's not going to live forever. Uh, it's, it's solid. It's a mass. It's physical, so uh, I can... I can feel it. I can touch it. I can, uh, I can uh, see it. I can smell it. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have gone there. Anyway, you get all these things. We know my body is physical. It's it's material. My soul or my spirit. It's it's um it's not physical and it's not it's not temporal. It's eternal. So my spirit and my soul that that piece that makes me up that's different than you. That, that temporal part of my life, it's what we call it's it's what we call personality. The soul, the spirit. My body is just kind of like a garment. It's kind of like I put on a robe while I'm here on earth, and someday it will be gone. But not not the real me. The me that's the real me is inside me. The spirit, the soul will live on forever and ever. it, it shall not die. So, it's eternal. My intellect, my will, my emotions, my mind, my conscience, uh, this, this is the spirit of the soul of man. This is who I am. Hence, this is where my attitude comes from. Are you following me? It's the design of, of God. And the reality is, every, every one of us has an attitude, but also every one of us has a personality. Now, we might have a little fun. Let's see, what time is it? It is now quarter till. Hmm, I'm running out of time. Uh, I think it's important to understand this. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Years ago, when I was in my first church, my first pastor, I had my very first uh, retreat with my church board. So we went up to the San Jacinto Mountains. Drove up in there in a, a, a Toyota 4x4 pickup truck. It was raised up. It was pretty cool looking. Went up there with one of my buddies. And after the weekend, we're driving down the San Jacinto Mountains after the board retreat with my, kin, my buddy, Ken, who is an ex-sheriff. And as we're driving down the mountain in my 4x4 uh, Toyota pickup truck, he says to me, quote, unquote. Now, this is probably 1981. How many years ago was that? And I remember it as well today as I did then. My friend, ex-Sheriff Ken, says to me, do you realize how strong of a personality you have? (laughs) Now, being a man of wisdom, I retorted immediately, I don't have a strong personality. And being a man that was smarter than me, he said, well, have you asked anybody lately? (laughs) Now, that sent me on a journey for over 30 years trying to figure out who I was. Are you with me? Um, Who am I? What's my personality? For the last... uh, 20 years, I've taught leadership, schools, pastors, districts, um, district superintendents, regional guys, done that for over 10 years in Africa, it's one of the joys of my life. In fact, we'll be going this, um, this July, and two of you are going with me, that's pretty cool, loving this, didn't even plan on it, and all of a sudden, I'd, I got two mountain ones going with me, is that why we call you mountain viewings? Is that what it is, mountain viewings? Okay, mountain viewings. Okay. Yeah. One of the first principles we teach in leadership is every pastor needs to be self-aware. Woohoo! Because sometimes we don't know who we are. Uh, do you realize, Pastor, how strong of a personality you really have? you talking to me? I don't have a strong personality. Well, have you asked anybody lately? I don't think that was a compliment. (laughs) We're talking about a sheriff here, large and in charge, big dude, the big boy, good friend, good enough friend to be honest with me to say, are you self-aware? He didn't even know that terminology. You see, pastors are just like people. We carry into our ministry our past, our environment, the way we were treated, our education. Everything about us comes into the ministry. And if we have unresolved issues or we don't know who we are, we don't lead well. So thanks to my buddy Ken, I had to start figuring out who I was. And, um, and I began to understand my strengths and my weaknesses Oh, that's, that's to tell me I'm about done. <laughs> oh, I hate this time of the service. <laughs> so how has God made me? Well, um, I'm going to throw two or three things at you, and then we'll pick it up next week. So uh, back in 350 B.C., there was a guy by the name of, well, he was a Greek uh, He's a Greek philosopher, Hippocrates. Have you ever heard of him, Hippocrates? He, he designed what's called the classical approach to human behavior, human, under, human understanding. Who are we? Um, and he says every person in the world has one of four primary personality characteristics. I'm talking to you now. Okay, There are four primary personality characteristics, and you have a dominant one. And, and, and so, let me just throw something up on the screen. Uh, you, can, you can take out your worship folder. Guys, you have this little thing I, I, I wrote down by hand. Um, it's it just four things to remember. Everybody, first one is everybody has a personality. So, if you want to write this down on you, on your, you can take some notes if you like. Everybody has a personality. Two is. There are four major types. Four. Okay? The next statement is all are good. I want you to remember that because sometimes we don't like who we are. Anybody want to testify? How come I'm that way? How, can I, how come I can't be like that? Okay, okay. So, so every, it, all are good. In other words, God don't make no junk, right? When God made you, he threw away the mold because he said, I did a pretty good job with that person. Yeah. God loves you the way you are. And every person has a, here we go, a dominant and a subordinate type. All right, are you with me? So every person here will have a dominant personality trait. And I'm getting ready. I'm fixing to tell you what yours is. Are you ready? All right, you also have a complementary one. So you'll have two. One's dominant, the other complements it. All right, so let's look at it. Guys, next, next sheet of paper here. Uh, how do you like my uh, professional typing? It's pretty good, isn't it? If I had a worship folder, I'd I'd put a line just like that, because I'm going to give you the four really quick, and then we'll be out of here. I probably should have set another alarm for 12. (laughs) Just looking for someone reaching for their phone. There's that. I see my, my time maker back there. Kevin helps me in our welcome class. Last week, he set the clock for 20 after. I kept going. And at one minute before, I wasn't through, and someone knocks on the door and says, church is starting. (laughs) Oh, shoot. Okay, on the top left, see that C word? That's choleric. Choleric. -choleric, C-choleric. C-O-L-H-E-R-I-C. The primary characteristic of a choleric person is control. You like to be in control of life. Uh, Larger and in charge. You're decisive. You make decisions easily. You're a natural born leader. You can take the bull by the horns. You just move forward. Sometimes you run over people. Coleric. Anybody want to confess their sin for the moment? Come on. Put your hands up. Calerics. Get your hand up, you liar. Come on. Yeah. Calerics. I see that in. We got some ladies back here, the clerics. Yeah. Yeah, you're large and in charge. You control. Now I'll go to the right. The to the right on the top is S for sanguine, S A N G U I N E sanguine. Now remember, this comes from Hippocrates. This is kind of like the classical approach, um, and and we'll we'll play with this a little bit more as we have time. But the sanguine, the primary dominant trait of a sanguine is they like to have fun. They're they're fun people. Um, they're they're usually loud. Okay, other the life of the party, uh, we had a sanguine female pastor in Eugene Church. You knew when she was there, because she would open the door, and she was just off yelling, laughing, talking. Everybody knew she was there, and everybody loved her. She was very outgoing. She was a very colorful person. Uh, Any sanguine females here this morning? Just put your hand up, confess your sin. Sanguine females, come on. Come on, come on, get them up there. I got that one. Okay. Any other? Okay. Um, any single and female, just want to lift your purse up a second? Lift your purse up. Mary, you raised your hand. You want to lift your purse up? Oh, look at that. Mary, come here. Come here. This is a good example. Mary, come here. Come on, Mary. Hurry up. Come on. Come on. I don't have much time. Yeah, bring your purse. Bring your purse. Come on. <laughs> hurry up. I don't have all day for this. Mary, you're not. You're moving slower than Bob. Actually, that's. Hard to do. Okay. So, first of all, Mary's sanguine. That means she's outgoing. Now, on a scale of 1 to 10, I wouldn't consider her to be, whoa, this sucker is heavy. How do you even carry this? You see, a sanguine female always has a large purse. It's always open. Well, look at that. She doesn't pay attention to details, right? And she's got everything in here but the kitchen sink. Okay? So, let me just prove it. Okay? So... We have a purse within a purse. And look, oh, I'm surprised. It's, oh, it's not open. Look, it's got a wallet in here. Got lipstick. There's everything in here. I'll, I'm not even going to tell you what I see in here. She's, this is her purse. So she's got a big purse. I'd say this is kind of flashy.
1: You think so?
0: Yeah, I think it's flashy. You want one? (laughs) Yes, I do. So Mary, she a good example of a singuine female. Big person. You can spot them a mile. You can hear them a mile. That's a singuine female, okay? Mary. I love you, Mary. (laughs) I love you, too. She's a champion. I'll tell you what. She is a champion. Okay, bottom left. Melancholy why. Okay. <laughs> the number one trait of a melancholy person is order. Right? Everything has a place, and everything's in its place. Let's go to a man. Go to his garage. Open his garage door. What's it look like? <laughs> Spick and span. The floor's clean. If he's a high melancholy, all of his... Tools are in order. There's not one out of place. I knew one guy that had his tools outlined. So if he took the tool down, you know exactly where it went back. Melancholy. Uh, any melancholy men here? Come on. You like numbers? You're orderly? You're organized? Back there, I see that? Okay, come on. So uh, some of you guys are not confessing, and I'm going to... I'm going to pull you out. There's, there's an orderly guy right there. Come on. Ron, are, are you melancholy? No? What are you, Ron? Schizophrenic? No, no, no. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I should have not have said that. Ron, what are you? Which one are you? C. All right. Okay. I'll give you that. So how many melancholy men do we have here? Any melancholy? Melancholy men, melancholy men. So, Ron, let me see here. Just check. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's perfect. All right. Melancholy men. Usually you can spot them. You know why? They, they used to carry an organizer right here. Because they're orderly, right? So you spot a melancholy man because he's got his organizer. And you say, I need, a, I need a pen. He'll usually have two or three. How many, how many do you have, Ron? One. Two, they're coming. He knows exactly where they are. And you ask, uh, I need a pen. Well, what color do you need? Uh, I, I could use a blue one. I'd like blue. He doesn't even have to look. He just goes, one, two, three, there's the blue, and pulls it out. See, it's orderly. That's the melancholy man. He's, everything's in order. Everything's got its place. Everything is its place. Well, let's go on. How about the P is, anybody know what it is? Phlegmatic. Can you say it? Phlegmatic. Phlegmatic. The number one personality trait for a phlegmatic is peace. How many of you run from conflict as quick as you can? When there's conflict, you're out of here. Come on, be honest. Come on. I'm not gonna pick on you. Because I know uh, that you don't want to be, okay, okay. So, so whenever, a good way to know whether you're phlegmatic is when there's conflict, you gotta, you gotta have peace. Because when peace stops, life is no longer significant. For, for the, um, for the cleric, if he's not in control, life is not significant. Uh, for the, for the sanguine, if it's not fun, life is not significant. It's gotta be fun. They don't even, the the sanguine doesn't, doesn't even care about order. They don't. They don't. They don't care about details. The melancholy person. That's how. That's why they live. Everything has. You see what I'm saying? Now, my friend, everybody has one. Okay. So here we go. Here we go. How many think you're choleric? Put your hand up. If you're. You, you got to be in control. Come on. Put your hand up. Get them up. I'm not going to pick on you. Okay. A bunch of you guys are lying. I'll tell you what. You're lying. I know you. <laughs> How many of you are, you'd say that I'm sanguine? I'm, I'm kind of, I like to be the life. I'm, I'm loud. I'm, I'm, I'm out there. I'm the life of the party. Yep. I would agree. Okay. How, how many of you are melancholy? You like the order. You got things in order. Good. You know, okay. So how many of you are then are, um, the phlegmatic? You just, you gotta got to add peace. A bunch of phlegmatics. Okay. I'm going to talk about this next week a little bit. How this plays out in life. Um, for those of you who are married, let me ask you a question. Who did you marry? If you're choleric, most likely you married a phlegmatic. You phlegmatics like someone to tell you what to do. You like, you like someone telling you where you're going to eat, right? You, you like someone who can make up their mind, their decision. Oh, I, I, I see a bright light back there. That means, okay, we're done. Lord, thanks for this wonderful day. Bless us. May the message have been a blessing. And Lord, I can't wait till next week when I really tell them the truth. Amen. Get out of here and have a great day. I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon, as well as other sermons, and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www.mvcnaz.org. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.